This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, an independent provider of comprehensive physical and occupational services. No matter how challenging your issues, if other treatments have failed, we are determined to help you heal, starting with the very first visit. Four convenient locations in the Milwaukee area. More information at freedompt.com. Freedom Talks podcast. Uh, I'm Brady, your host, and uh, today I'm here with Scott Coonan and Peter Stathis. Uh, so the focus of this podcast is going to be golf, and uh, because of that, we have Peter here who um, is a golf specialist. Uh, he actually founded Freedom Physical Therapy Services and um, is going to give us a little insight as to uh, what you can do to uh, improve your golf swing, um, maybe what you can do if you're having some problems staying injury uh, or if you're injury prone uh, during the golf season, maybe some things that you can do um, and get you prepared and kind of talk about physical therapy as a whole as it uh, pertains to golf and, and what it can do um, for someone who's looking to improve their golf game. Uh, so, Peter, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. And how, Scott, how are you? I'm wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Just happy to be here. Fair enough. <laughs> no coronavirus. No coronavirus. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> plenty, of, plenty of hand washing and sanitizing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so, Peter, you have uh, your golf specialist indicated by the letters TPI uh, next to your name on our website. Um and so right away, what do those letters stand for or what do those letters represent? Uh, that represents the Titleist Performance Institute, which is the think tank of golf fitness for Titleists in Oceanside, California. Okay, so um, to get those letters behind your name or get that certification, you have to go out to California um, and go through training programs, is that the deal? Yeah, that's, that's one way. They do do seminars around the country, but uh, I chose to go out there, and that was because I got into it very early, and they didn't have a lot of seminars around the country. And um, so it was very nice to, hey, go to California during the winter and you know, play some golf and do some learning. From what I understand, they have a really nice facility. Oh, it's there. phenomenal. It's very proprietary you can't get into it if you're not involved with Titleist and in, in, I mean it's guarded so they do I mean Vokey has his wedge you know building and testing um, facility there and um, <clears throat> Cameron has his putter studio there so and they're testing balls there um, they don't they don't let they don't want their competition sniffing that place. <laughs> So that's Titleist, like, think tank area. It's, it's yeah. Most of their equipment. For their wedge and their um, putters, uh, the pros come in, and when they come, and other people can come in uh, for a price, but um, they have a terrific um, hitting bay, you know, that's, like, um, so digitized and so, you know, high-tech that, you can hit a golf ball out onto the grass and it can tell you how many revolutions it's spinning and 
what it did when it hit the ground and, you know, speed and angulation and, I mean, just every conceivable number that an instructor might want to know. So having that TPI kind of tells, so that there's three different kinds, correct? So that there's one designed for the trainer, one designed for uh, medical professionals, and then you had told me one more, right? Or the, just those One more for the teaching professionals. Oh, the teaching professionals. Right. Okay, so obviously you have the one for the medical professionals. Right. What happens is that uh, the first course you take, everybody is involved in that course. So that's the TPI-1 class. And so you have medical trainers and uh, golf professionals all in that class. If you pass the exam after that, then they split you into those separate tracks. And so the trainers go off, the medical guys go off, and the pros go off. Now, there is some flexibility with, for instance, me, a medical guy doing the trainer um, track once I finish the entire medical track. So I could conceivably do all of the tracks once I finished the medical track. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, and so going into kind of the, the medical side of things, how is that training um, kind of preparing you to assess someone who's coming in for a, a golf assessment and maybe someone who's also dealing with injuries when it comes to their golf game? Um, like what is, what is that training that's involved? How, how do you apply that to somebody who's coming in to see you. So, you know, when you when you meet a golfer um, for the first time, you're going to ask them questions, and if they answer certain ways that make you uncomfortable or suspect that they have had maybe an old injury or something they've been just trying to sort of deal with for a long time, you want to stop the process of thinking fitness for this person and start the process of thinking faulty mo movement patterns. And that's where the SFMA selective functional movement assessment that Gray Cook developed um, comes into play. So you bring them down that, that area, that track first, and you address that, and then you can go into the fitness track after that. And I've done that a number of times because, I mean, if you get you know, an older golfer like Scott here, you know, who's played a lot of sports in his life. He's had, you know, chronic shoulder problems or back problems. You don't want to just, like, throw them into a fitness program. You want to give them some tools to address the motor patterns that keep them in that, in that uh, condition and help break those up before you layer on some other fitness um, aspects. I mean, right, one of the interesting things uh, for me that when, when you started doing that and you took us through it was that based on how they, how they do on those tests, you can almost tell them what kind of shot they hit, correct? I yeah, mean, sure. I mean, because, you know, they can't get here or they can't get through onto this side because of some deficits, you're probably going to hit this kind of shot. Yeah. And, and so those are the kinds of questions you get on the exams, you know, so they are giving you live examples and you're having to decipher, you know, those kinds of answers for people. Yep. So, so this has got to be all kind of based on knowledge of uh, the golf swing, correct? Yeah. Like so that that 
is that what this course is based around? Is like, here is the ideal golf swing. How do you steer patients or individuals back towards that golf swing? And then obviously you're just discerning whether they need to go down uh, the fitness-based route or if they need to go down the uh, injury recovery-based route. No, well, no, usually if they tell me, if I hear, you know, I've had chronic back pain for the last eight years, I'm not going to start them down the TPI golf screen. Okay. I'm going to start them down a physical therapy track, SFMA, or, and or my way of looking at the body. Okay. And then once we have agreed that, you know, they have a pretty good handle on what's causing their symptoms and they're clearing up, then I'll go down a fitness track. Okay. I've done that many times. And being a in the medical area, yeah. that's often, you know, what you see. You know, if I were a trainer, I'd probably be seeing healthier people that yeah. want to do the training. And if I were a golf professional, you know, I'd I'd um, I'd want to know the screen so that um, you know, when I'm giving lessons, I can screen people and improve my lesson for them. So Scott, have you done any like golf training specific things other than just getting out on the course for fun? Like how, how um, I guess how intense are you in terms of improving your golf game versus just going out on the course and playing? <laughs> um, well, I'm a hack. <laughs> so, um, but I do, so I've gone through both Peter's uh, taking me through it, um, and so I, I'm not overly flexible, so that's a big thing for me to work on. Um, the thing that, you know, when I have patients that are avid golfers and, I, I, and, and we're having this kind of conversation, I encourage them to go see Peter. Um, it's, you know, it's real easy to want to go out and spend four or $500 on a new driver, but if you can't get your body into the right, swing plane or position because of limitations physically, you can keep buying a new driver every single year and you're still going to probably have that same issue and probably hit a similar shot. So that's where I think, um, you know, the whole TPI thing and this great screen that they take you through is really beneficial. So could, could you go a little bit more in depth in terms of like, what is, what is the screen entail? What does, uh, say someone is healthy, what, what is the screen? What are you, I guess, what, what are can the, someone expect if they come in for a golf screen? So the, the actual movements are relatively simple. Um, forward bending, backward bending, um, rotational um, uh, movements uh, where you take the uh, legs out so you have, it, have somebody sitting so it's pure trunk rotation, um, measuring lat length, um, external rotation of the shoulders, internal rotation of the shoulders, core strength, glute strength, which I would call core strength. Um, balance. Balance is a huge one, thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, what else? Um, cap, cap. Well, vision, that's another important one. So those are some of the basic ones. So. Posture. Posture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So obviously you're looking at a broad range of things, and it's like a 
How long would you say it takes to take someone through all this? It can take. It doesn't take very long at all. Okay. Fifteen minutes, I can do the screen, and then I can even do it in less. Sure. You know, um, but um, it just depends on if I want to measure with a goniometer every time, or with a tape, or this or that. You know. So, if I'm, let's say I'm a, not an avid golfer, but I golf. Well, I well, let's just say. For the, the golfer in Wisconsin that is out all summer golfing at least twice a week, is it is this something worth doing for yourself to improve your golf game? Yes. I mean, I'll, I'll well, uh, yes. And that's uh, maybe not twice a week, but I probably try to get out once a week. And so, again, it just um, – not only just it'll help your golf game, but it'll also just help your, I mean, just everyday living by improving your core strength, improving your flexibility, all those things. You're less apt to develop back pain, knee pain, hip pain going forward. So um, it'll, it'll help your golf game, but it'll also just make you physically in, in better shape and, and, and function better. So once you've done the assessment, Peter, what it, what are the, the next steps for whatever the individual, what, whatever you find in the assessment, how are you developing um, kind of, I think it's right, and that, like more like an exercise program more than anything, correct? Yeah, right. What I do is, um, you know, say I have somebody that does like to go to the gym, and I'm like, great, so I'm going to give you eight or ten things to do in between what you do at the gym. So... Maybe you go work on the cross trainer for 15 or 20 minutes, and I'll say, okay, so right after that, do this, this, and that. Maybe they'll want to go and do a squat rack. Go do the squat rack, but then do this, this, and this after that. So I try to weave their exercises into their entire routine so they don't kind of, so they start to fit it together as, you know, one big program. Okay. Um, is it something as extensive as, like, could you create something for them that they say, okay, I really just want to focus on my golf game. This is my goal, fitness goal, for lack of a, a better term, right? So mm -hmm. my fitness goal is to take a couple strokes off my golf game. Is there, like, could you give them a, a full workout program that would be completely tailored to their golf game? Yeah, um, I can do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, when you talk about um, performance, that's a little different than just, you know, exercise. Because if somebody says to me, you know, I want to take two strokes off my handicap. Okay. That's, then I'm going to start to question them about, well, do you take lessons? No. Yeah. Well, you know, let's be realistic about this because, you know, improving your golf game through taking lessons and then actually having a pro that understands what I might be doing, you know, would be the most beneficial. I just, like recently I had a, a guy come in and his pro was, what they wanted to work on this winter was weight shift. And so they showed, he showed me the exercises or the drills that they were doing for that. And I didn't even, like, screen the guy. I just looked at the drill, and I went, okay, 
this, this, and this will help you do that drill better. If you do that drill better, will it translate to making a better weight shift and you know, consistently hitting the ball better? And maybe you will drop your handicap you know, a couple of uh, points. But it's not, it's, it, this is not like the end-all, be-all. Like, um, the expectation should not be to just come in here, get a program, and think it's going to change er everything in your golf game because it's not going to do that. Okay. What, what should the expectation then be? That you have somebody that you're working with that's a professional instructor and that that instructor um, would be knowledgeable about the body and you know the what their client may or may not be able to do because not everybody can get into you know the positions of the modern golf swing so what can this person do okay let me look at what that person can do and then let me you know try to help you know tailor a program to what the instructor thinks their student can do. Okay. Um, Dave Phillips, who is, um, so TPI was developed by Dave Phillips and uh, Greg Rose. Greg Rose, um, I think he, he was a medical guy, he's a chiropractor, um, but he's a very savvy fitness person as well. Um, and Dave is a top 100 instructor, you know, in the country. So they're, they're two pretty, you know, smart guys. And yes, they do go off a model of a swing. You know, you have to kind of have some sort of baseline somewhere, right? Yep. And so the, the whole program is kind of based off that swing, but it has the flexibility to, you know, entertain everybody's swing and how we can Im improve that. You just can't, nobody can swing like Ben Hogan. Nobody can swing like Tiger Woods. Nobody can swing like Scott or like me. So, um, you know, being pushed in just one um, model is, is not a good idea. Right, I, I mean, I think of it as, um, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Peter, I think is this is just helping people get get to a place where they're able to make a golf, a good golf swing, and then you're going to see a pro um, to, like, fine-tune those things. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's the way I think of it. Again, I think of uh, people just want to go out and buy a new club or maybe just take lessons. But, again, if you can't physically get to the right spot, yeah, nothing else matters maybe. No. You know? okay. And so that's where this is the help of is helping people get into that giving them a, a, a way to get into a better position so that they can make a nice golf swing, right. be, depending upon whatever that is. Because to Peter's point, everybody's swing is unique. There is no one golf swing. No. And you, and you look, I mean, the golf swing is incredibly rigorous when you, when you think about what happens, you know. You're standing there static in a flexed position, you know, trunk flexed, knees flexed. And now you start to rotate <laughs> in a flexed position. You're rotating your trunk, you're rotating your hips, you're trying to create stability from the ground up into your, you know, your legs and your, and your um, hips, you know, and you're trying to sequence that, you know, that kinematic sequence of that, of that movement. And then you reverse that, 
and you end up you know, being in full extension and rotation. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think the swing happens in like 0.25 seconds or something like that. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty intense change of direction and, uh, you know, and to be doing it kind of right. consistently only on one side. Yeah. So, and it's, 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 I mean, that's why the injuries happen, you know? There's lots of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. Some you have to stabilize, some you have to mobilize, and it has to be in the right sequence to, to get, you know, the, the power and speed into your swing. So that, that is an extremely interesting topic to me, at least. So you've got these repeti repetitive motions and repetitive stresses in specific postures over and over and over again. What are some things that golfers may have to think about to make sure that they're healthy otherwise or continually working on things to combat that posture that they have to be in and that kind of almost violent fluid movement that they have to put their bodies under that brings them from that flex to that extended position? What do you think, Scott? Um, well, that, that's a great question. <laughs> do you want me to answer that? Yeah, no. that's, yeah uh, I yes. mean, you're our you're our you're our best example of somebody that. Yeah, I'm not overly flexible. And that's yeah. why I'm a 20 handicap. Is mm -hmm. because I am, but I, I I enjoy the competitiveness and the social aspect of golf. But I I could I'll never be I don't think a single digit handicapper no matter what. Just I'm not geared for it. I'm right. short and inflexible. And those are two bad things to be if you want to be a great golfer. So, um. well, and I also think that you know, if you're a leisure golfer, you know that means you have a certain commitment to it. Right. And if you're a competitive golfer who wants to play in tournaments, whether they're high school, college, professional at your club, whatever, um, you have to put a little more effort into, you know, what you're doing. We're not even talking about talent yet, but um, the, 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 the swing is, is, it lends itself to injury because of the repetitiveness. And if you're a serious player and you're hitting balls on the range, you know, I'm not going to say for hours, but let's just say even for an hour, three times a week or four times a week, and then you're playing that that length of time. I mean, there there has to be things that you can do to restoratively take care of your body, and you know those can be taught to you. That's not rocket science. Okay. Um, so I think it is at least a little bit fun for us to kind of talk about. Um, some of the, the players that have their tour cards um, and kind of uh, the bigger names in golf. And obviously, um, because I'm a little bit on the younger side, like the first memories I have are... He brings that up in every <laughs> podcast. Every, every podcast <laughs> he brings up about... 
I, how old just are, bringing my perspective. How old are you, Brady? <laughs> I'm 26. Oh, yeah, you are young. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying that your perspective is obviously going to be different from my perspective, so I apologize if I bring it up. But okay. my point is, is that when I first remember golfing on, on TV, because my grandpa would have it on when we'd go to Florida, we'd, I always remember, I, I watched the Masters with my grandpa almost every year, and the first guy that was obviously there when I start remembering because I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 was when Tiger was having his dominant stretch of runs in the early 2000s. And, like, all anybody that I've heard talk about golf was that Tiger was one of these people that was the first one to really blow everybody away by just being a, a pure athlete um, and was just a better athlete than everybody else was at the time. And it was because that he had been training from the time he was five years old to be this prolific golfer, but it also included a lot of strength and conditioning training rather than just being out on the golf and being out on the range and hitting balls constantly like everybody else was. Um, so did that ever, does that part of, golf ever in like obviously you're interested in the fitness side of things so like how did you kind of view that having the interest um growing up like how you were mentioning to me about Gary Player before and like how he was one of the guys that might have been the first one that you noticed that was taking training a little bit more seriously in the golf profession yeah he was he's still in great shape yeah I mean, he, I mean, I mean he'd he's kick be, our butts, I think. He's almost 80, right? Yeah. And he still looks in great shape. Mm -hmm. I, um, yeah, I mean, if you're asking me sort of my history with yeah. fitness, and, you know, I, I really didn't consider it when I was playing competitive golf in high school and college. We did not have any kind of, I'm, I'm in dating myself, this is the, you know, early 70s. We didn't have any fitness component to what we what we did, and I would have to say until I came across the TPI program. Well, that's not true. There was another guy. There was another guy purporting some golf fitness things. Um, I cannot remember his name, but he was in the 80s, and he did not have a great handle on. Um, on the golf swing, or but he knew that golfers needed work because he probably he was a P, he was a PT, and I did one of his classes. And Not Gary Gray. No, no, he it was, was Paul Calloway, I oh. believe. Yeah, and um, he was over the border in Illinois, and I took yeah. I took a class of his. But he he came before TPI, but he did not have, you know, the golf instructor. Uh, aspect of it, or um, he just had the medical aspect of it, and what he, I think, came up on his own with for training. Okay. But I, I didn't really get into even, you know, doing golf fitness until I started the TPI courses, and then I was, I was, I was very happy I found that. Now you look at these guys. I mean, you look at Brooks Kepka, It looks like he could play oh. middle linebacker somewhere. I mean, it's just amazing, isn't he's it? It's huge. Yeah. 
And it's just with those guys, all their training, is it just they're increasing their strength capacity and therefore increasing the amount of power that they can drive their swing through the ball? Is that is that essentially what it comes down to? Is just you're the better athlete, you're the more you're you're the stronger athlete or the better coordinated athlete, and so that all transfers. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I think it's both, right? So they're able to produce more power um, through their conditioning, and so their um, swing speed is faster, and so and then the equipment I think also. Plays a role into how hard or how far mm-hmm. uh, in hard we're hitting hitting the golf ball, um, but no, they're just I think they're just better. Just like in most sports, I think the athletes now are we're just we've gotten better at training all athletes, and golf is no different. And so these guys, just like in football or in basketball, are bigger, faster, and stronger, and they're producing more power, so the ball goes farther. So I got I guess I have one more kind of nuance to that question. So there's a debate in sports on whether technology is the thing advancing or whether it's the training and the are the athletes actually getting better? Because there, uh, there was a guy that did a TED Talk about uh, Jesse Owens um, and track athletes and that Jesse Owens, when he was running his time, there's been like, something like 100 athletes who have been able to reproduce Jesse Owens' times. Um, But the fact of the matter is Jesse Owens was running on a concrete track with no track spikes rather than now they're all on these composite composite tracks with track spikes and all of these, like, technology advancements. I think it's – I mean, you see that especially in golf. You have – a Volkswagen Beagle Beetle on the end of your club now, right? <laughs> I mean, you've got that. So do you think that the athletes are actually getting better, or do you think you see more athletes rise to the top and produce some of the things that some of the golf greats have, have done because of the technology that's available to them? I I actually think that the, the golfers that I grew up, or the era I grew up in, which is, you know, the sort of Palmer, Nicholas, blah, blah, blah. I think that um, those people were mentally more astute than what we have now. I think the training and the swing training and all of that seems to, you know, it can get somebody to a, a certain level. But look, there's 125 guys that are on tour at any given time. That's like the 125 best guys in the world. Now, is 126 that much worse? No. Is the 50th guy that much worse? No. There's something between the ears that I don't think can be measured yet. Let's just call it a golf IQ that, you know, when you combine that with Tiger Woods' athleticism, that's why the guy won whatever it is, 16, 17 majors, and he almost won last week. Yeah. So, and he, uh, is he 41? Uh, it's, I'm not something sure. Like something that. like that. Though. Yeah. You know, he's had, what, 10 surgeries? <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Um, to be doing that with a fusion, right, for mm-hmm. him, that's yeah. impressive. It's impressive. 
And, no. and, and to his credit, you know, when Tiger Woods was a youngster, I mean, he had violent speed in his golf swing. Now you look at it, and it's like you can see, like, the wisdom of his rhythm in it, you know, where he doesn't, like, he knows his body can only do a certain amount, and he has to be very careful with how he uses it. And, um, I mean, he's playing yeah. really well. So, I mean, we, we said it, mental IQ, innate talent, you know, these are things that, you know, you can put the best athletes in a gym and train, and they may not be the best of the best, you know? So if you take the top 50 athletes from right now, top 50 golfers right now, and you compare them and you put them back in the 1980s, do you think they're, do you think they're hitting the ball as well as they are now? Well, they're hitting the ball further, but I, I think that a lot of that has to do with not with equipment, right. course setup, okay, um, right. other things, yeah. I think the top 50 golfers now, if you put them back in whatever, they would still be really good. They'd be good. Just like Jesse Owens, to your point, if you put him with today's training methods and put him on a spongy track with, with cleats, he's still going to be super fast. Yeah. I mean, so. Might be faster. Yeah. We don't know. Sure. You know? Yep. You know? And, and it, it's, I mean, if we're just talking about the game of golf, it has become a game of distance, you know? And, you know, I mean, the courses are longer um, because they are, you know, I mean, for whatever reason, including myself, we're all addicted to how far can I hit this darn thing, you know? Wow, I really hit that one, you know? <laughs> it's behind a tree. <laughs> you got really that far. one out there, didn't you, Scott? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and so um, it might even be just the marketing of the of the equipment. Man, you know, yeah. they got to sell their stuff. So, yeah. um, but I mean, if we get back to TPI and just the basics of of fitness, a, a lot of what I what I like to think of is that I'm not not so much performance oriented, but I'm longevity oriented, and I'd like to, you know, because the game is very difficult, and, you know, people quit for a lot of reasons. And I hopefully, you know, having poor conditioning isn't one of them. Yeah. So, and that's, that's kind of my personal, you know, I've had some really good young junior players um, who get to, uh, what is that tour called now, the Fairy corn, corn fairy oh, now. Oh, yeah. Used to be the web. Web PT. P, web <laughs> web dot com. To, yeah. You know, I mean, people that get to, you know, 200 in the world. And, you know, I've had them quit because their bodies couldn't handle the repetitive stress of the game. I think golfers have probably the best muscle memory mm -hmm. of any professional athlete. It's like shooting free throws in a way, right? Yeah. Over and over and over I mean, and over. They hit the, they hit the same right. spot on the club every mm -hmm. single time, and they know if they hit that, how exactly how far the ball is going to go. And right. so they're, I was, that's what, as just a, a casual, you know, a hack attack golfer, that's what's most impressive is that just how great they are, how, how, how good their muscle memory is. 
So that is a good point about the longevity of things and like golfing to golf until you're yeah in your you know late 80s or whatever till they're shoveling dirt on you i mean it's yeah it's 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 a little disturbing that you know five years ago my swing speed was still around 100 miles an hour i think right now if i'm in the upper 80s and the low 90s, that's still pretty good. I'm 65 years old. But, you know, again, distance is a function of speed and um, where you hit the ball on the club face. And so, and maybe the kind of course you're playing where will the ball run out or is it going to plug or whatnot. But, um, yeah, getting older, it's just like, I can't swing as fast. I can't hit it as far. So, <laughs> and, those, and those are all things that you help people that you come see. Right. You help them with, right? Yeah. And, and so that's partly why I'm more longevity oriented than performance oriented. And I've learned over the years of working with these people that, you know, as conscientious and, you know, devoted that I may be into it, other people are not. Sure. And it's not easy to motivate them to become more competent unless they're hitting it further and their scores are going down. Sure. So, I mean, so, okay, so say you, you have someone that comes in and they're motivated and they say, I really enjoy golfing. I want to do this for as long as possible. How often should they be in to see someone like you um, to kind of maintain what they need to do? Or is it just the fact of seeing you the once and being able to carry out a fitness program? Yeah, I think you'd want to see him more than once. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm yeah, just curious, yeah. right? Well, just yeah. right, because he'll, he'll, Peter would give you stuff to, to go on and do, and then, well, okay, just like a, as a physical therapist, I might give somebody a home exercise program, and then when I see him again, okay, that exercise, they're doing pretty well. Well, let's make it a little harder now or advance it. Um, yeah. So it would be, I, I think, much the same. So somebody who's serious about improving, um, well, let's just take use our climate as an example because you know in the winter we can't play golf unless we go somewhere warm so let's take lessons okay and let's work out in the winter and try to get ready for the better weather and then kind of see where we land because there's no way to measure really unless you go on a golf vacation and even then it's it's difficult you need this consistency yeah. of play so um our, it's a great benefit, in a way, our climate to take lessons and work out and, you know, get yourself ready for the golf season and then really see if what we did over the winter makes has made a difference in how you're playing. And then we tweak that. And that's where, you know, the, the performance aspect comes in. You know, I can stand on a golf range with somebody, and I'm not a PGA professional, and I can watch them hit balls, and I can go, okay, just do this exercise over here, and then watch them hit balls again and see what their contacts like or their ball flight. And I can get them to hit better shots just by doing 
little exercises, you know, just like a professional might to say, do this drill right now, now let's go back and, you know, so that's kind of fun. So I, I, moral of the story, right, is winter. Come see Peter. Win, come, see, <laughs> come see Peter, but just in general, when winter, your off season, just like a lot of sports, is the time to really work on your stuff. Yeah. And then right. enjoy doing what you enjoy doing during this during the the good seasons at the end yeah. of spring, summer, and then into the fall, and yeah. then work on your stuff during the the crappy. Right. right. It's not that you stop during your season, yeah. but you don't have to be, you know, so all consumed by it, you know, better to continue to do some of it, but play and have fun. Yeah. Fair Hopefully enough. see improvement, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would right. be the ultimate thing. And then that would, to Peter's point, kind of feed into, okay, when I do this... That's the I feedback, right? And so I want to keep doing this and what can I do? What else can I do to improve? So... Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have any other uh, any other big points you want to make? Any well, I mean, say? I was just, you know, no, not really. I was going to say that, you know, the, the program doesn't really change if you're, you know, an adolescent yeah. or a man or a woman or a senior I mean, the program pretty much stays the same. The exercises will, you know, change a bit, but the overall um, continuum of things doesn't really change. And uh, you just might, as you get older, like, might not be able to do as much, you know? Um, so we might work on exercises that help improve your short game rather than, you know, trying to get you to hit you know, a 250-yard drive now because you can't do it. Sure. What can you do? Oh, I can ship and putt. Well, let's figure out what exercises we can do, you know. Dial and that the, in and mm -hmm. improve your game. And that, that might just yeah. be balance because, you know, as we age, our balance gets a little bit worse and, you know, things like that. Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. So a little bit of something for everybody if mm -hmm. you're interested in improving your golf game and golfing for as long as you possibly can. So thanks for coming on, Peter, and sharing all that with us. And thanks, Scott, for yeah. help facilitating the conversation and giving us your input. Absolutely. You guys have a good day. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing one-on-one -on -one comprehensive physical and occupational therapy services, including women's health, chronic pain treatment, TMJ, and more. With four locations in Fox Point, Grafton, Brookfield, and McGuanago, Wisconsin, more information at freedompt.com.